Be warned prior to entry. Filming feelings may contain spoilers to any of the films listed in the description. Please check before you proceed. Thank you very much. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to listen to the end of this video. Till the end of this video. Hello there, lovely listeners, and we are back for another episode of our new show, Filmic Feelings. Woo! Oh, it's not a yee-haw. Oh, okay. sorry, that's out of tradition. Yee-haw! Oh my goodness, you can tell it's early in the morning when we're recording this. You're not quite warmed up into the yee-haw. I've got a bit of a bad throat at the moment. Oh, well... Please move further away from me at this at this desk we're already at. That's you know keeping us separated. Mm. Well, anyway, uh, lovely listeners, we as we kind of have alluded to already so far in the episode are going to be talking today about Mission Impossible. Now, we like what we liked about the last episode of this show is that even though we tried to put some structure into it, it kind of had none. It was very just kind of, it, it was kind of just us talking about movies. And, you know, that's what we do in life. So we figured that we'd bring that kind of energy to this show. And because we're not beholden to the kind of length of our episode, you know, we don't need to kind of keep it within the, the framework of our normal show. We're just going to talk about, you know, Mission Impossible not just the new movie, but the previous films and our thoughts on the series and all these kind of things. So, Cooper, let's start with what your favourite Mission Impossible film is. Ooh. See, I thought about a ranking of Mission Impossible the other day where I'd put all the films. Yeah. Did you get anywhere with that ranking? So, I'd probably say my favourite would be the new one mm-hmm. and we'll get on to that in a bit. Yeah. But then if we discount the new one for now, I think we actually could both agree that it's Ghost Protocol. Oh, I actually don't know if I agree. You always used to say Ghost Protocol was your favourite. Ghost Protocol was my favourite and I think it's still my third favourite because I agree that I think the new one is my favourite. That one's just insane. We'll get on to it. Yeah. I think that my second favourite, and, and I'd have to watch Dead Reckoning a bit more and this other one a bit more, but I really like Fallout. Fallout is a really good movie. I mean, it's not on any streaming services. so I know. That's the thing. I Because I, I watched, um, we've been to see the new one twice so far. And the other night... Um, I was sitting up watching Rogue Nation. Ironically, I came out. He just started Rogue Nation. And I was finishing it on my iPad. Yeah, so we kind of had had crossed over at some point. So I think that Fallout, because Fallout, interestingly, it, it's the one to me that breaks the formula, and that the formula that breaks is that Ethan Hunt doesn't go rogue. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's Fallout. actually it, Fallout is interesting because it's Ethan Hunt having the full weight of the IMF fully behind him and what he is capable of achieving with that, 
which I don't think we really get to see in any of these films because literally every film in some capacity he goes rogue. I mean, there's literally one called Rogue Nation. Yes, and he goes rogue. There's one called Ghost Protocol. He also goes rogue. Even in this one, Dead Reckoning, he's gone rogue. But also, so, yeah, I would agree with you. Fallout is really good because I thought about the ranking of them Mm -hmm. and my ranking of the seven would go seven or Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yep. Ghost Protocol. Yep. Fallout. Mm -hmm. Rogue Nation. Mm -hmm. Two. Two? Yeah. Two ranks that highly for you? Well, it's not that high. Three and then one. See, two is my bottom. Really? I've only watched two maybe once. But have you... Like once once all the way through and then like clips here and there. See, I've watched... Two. Funnily enough, it's actually based in Sydney. I know it's based in Sydney. Part. Is that why you like it? Because it's no. it's hometown buffet. No, but there are, there are some cool bits in there, like the ending scene, the whole ending scene with the car chase, and even the starting scene with the rock climb. Yeah, but to me, it just I don't know. A, I don't like the hair in that one. That's more That's more kind of you hair. That's like long hair. I know, but in that film it doesn't work. You reckon? No, not really because and and I say this as someone who has, you know, I've I've been growing my hair out for about a year now and I have hair that is about as long as Tom Cruise's is in that film. And I can tell you It's longer. It's my hair is longer, do you think? Or his Well, hair? his is more like goes to here and it's very controlled and straight. Yeah, but his is also, that's the thing is his is straight. I don't straighten my hair. So my hair has got a lot of volume to it. But the thing is, and the reason that I I draw issue with it is I know how difficult it is to do any high intensity activity with my hair. And he's like at one point he's wearing a beanie to keep his hair out of his face. I'm like, yeah, great. That makes sense. But all the rest of the time, like he's on motorbikes with his hair out. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I just, I, I do like it and it is a good look on him. But I think that for me, Ghost Protocol looks, it looks a bit better because it's a bit shorter. It makes a bit more sense for a government operative to have hair that is still longer, but it's not like that long. Mm. You know, if I was a, if I was a, you know, uh, a, an elite operative of the IMF, would my hair be this long? Not sure it would be. See, I wasn't the biggest fan of one. Maybe that's just because it was the first film. I think that one, one to me is like that. For me, my ranking would go: Dead Reckoning, Fallout, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation. Three, because I really like three. Three is all right. I I really like three. I like the style of it. I like that it's when three is the point where Tom Cruise starts producing them. And that's where he can really up the ante with his stunts. Well, the storyline in three is, remember, he's kind of retired almost. He kind of retires. And I think the villain in three also really pushes it over the edge for me, Davian. Um, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think he's really good. 
Um, and then it would go one because I think what pushes one over the edge for me is that two is almost this weird like romance movie with him and what's her name? Tandy Newton's character. I always forget her name. Yeah, that's one thing about that film. I don't. It's a weird. It almost has. Um, what's the last Brosnan Bond movie? Die another day. Don't bring me on to that film. But that's kind of the energy that it gives me because it kind of very much feels like the relationship between Tom Cruise's character and uh, Ethan Hunt and Tandy Newton's character is very similar to Pierce Brosnan's Bond and Halle Berry's Jinx. Yeah, but I think that's a lot worse. Sure. But you see what I mean? Can you see the parallel I'm drawing between those two kind of couples? They're kind of... There's just these weird things. There's also, like, in both movies, there's a weird chase scene with the both of them where they're kind of flirting with each other through the chase scene and it's just a weird kind of vibe. That wasn't in Die Another Day. Wasn't it? There was something where... There was some weird scene where they were flirting with each other through... Uh, it was at a bar. It was at no. a bar on a Cuban beach. Yeah, no, I know that scene, but there was one where they it, they were flirting through like what would normally be an action set piece and it just felt really weird. Yeah, I don't know. But they're both kind of... Maybe that's what that era was because they're both O2. Are films. they both O2? Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe. They're both 2002 films. Yeah, I just... It's, it's a weird one for me that I just like... Th- number two... It hadn't quite found its vibe yet, because the thing I like about one is it's real. It's a tense action thriller. It's like, you know, it's and 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 they lose it for a number of years. They lose it until three, where they don't really utilize the masks very well. Because the masks, like when you watch the first movie. Tom Cruise is, like, mad, like he's crazy because he doesn't know who anyone's allegiances is to, like he's he's off kilter. And then in two, he's just kind of, like, around, and Anthony Hopkins is the secretary, but he's, like, in two scenes and then he's gone. I just, I don't know, there's something about to, maybe I need to watch it again. I haven't watched it in a long time. Maybe I need to watch it again. Um, cause I think what we'll do is we'll watch all of them in the lead up to the next one, whenever that releases. Um, See, there's something about one for me. I don't know. I mean, in the first, this is a spoiler, but we've given off enough spoilers in the old films already. Mm. In the, and it came out in 96, so you should have watched it already. Um, like within the first 10 minutes, there's like this crew of 10 Pretty much all of them die. Mm. But see, that's really interesting to me. See, so just... And then there's... Like, I understand why you draw issue with it because you're, you're just starting to get to know these people. But I think that... I just don't like the film. It's just... Fair. I mean... Did I tell you my fun fact about um, a connection between uh, number one and the later films? Is it about what happens in seven? N- no. It's about, well, it has to do with what happens in seven, but it's mainly what it has to do in six. What? 
So, um, do you remember in the first film, there's that character, Max, the arms dealer. She's a woman. She's got like the brown, short brown hair and she's like an arms dealer. Nope. Let me pull up a picture of her. I haven't watched the first film in years. Sorry, lovely listeners. Let me just pull up one Max. Her. Ah, I don't remember her. So, this perfectly shows it. So, she is the mother of the White Widow who appears in six and is making a return in seven. Mm, That's fascinating. And the White Widow actually references her mother in her initial speech where she says, you know, thank you all for coming. You all remember my mother, Max, and does this whole speech about her. Um, Very interesting. And it's been toted as one of the examples of, you know, utilising former characters in the right way. Because, you know, if this were a Fast and Furious film someone in the universe would have been like, oh, yeah, your mum was an arms dealer. Didn't she have a weird interaction with this Ethan Hunt guy from from the CIA? <laughs> you mean, you know, like every character that we saw in Fast and Furious 10. Sorry, I'm bringing the last week's episode back into this one just because I can. Yeah. And also there's one other thing that I thought of the other day. Mm. The Mission Impossible films don't, come very often like they're not like the fast and furious films because when you think about it we're on the 10th fast and furious film including two spin-offs two spin-offs Hobbs and Shaw and then there was another one that Vin Diesel directed it's supposed to oh, be about that that's like a short film yeah but I'm gonna count it right yeah, and that that's been going since what two thousand and one. Oh one, yeah. Oh one, and Mission and Impossible's ninety six, and we're and only we're out, s- out to seven. I mean, it's six years from one to two, uh, four years from two to three, mm. three years three to four, another three years to five. Another three years to six. Well, and also the other thing is, is that, you know, Fast and Furious, yes, they have all of these entries, but, you know, and yes, Vin Diesel is synonymous with that series, but he's not in all of those movies. Tom Cruise is in every single one of these movies. Yeah. And I would argue that the stunts for one, but I would argue that the driving is better in Mission Impossible than like it the car is. scenes? Yeah. Probably, yeah. I mean, when you think about what's happened in these car scenes, I'm not even going to include two because that one was the flirty one that you're talking about. Mm. But... um, I sounded really like... <clears throat> I have no problem... I don't know. Three, I'm not going to go there. Three, I don't think there was actually a car chase in that film. No. Uh, there might have been. I think the one scene where he drives a car quick is after the bridge scene. 
he's got to get back to his wife before the baddie gets to the wife. No. No, that's not a car chase. No, that's just They the just blow up a Lambo in that yeah, film. The bridge. No, you're right. I don't they think just, there is a car chase. They just want an excuse to blow stuff but up. But I mean, you know, look at... And that's the Mission Impossible 2 car chase. Yes, I do recall. But I mean, look at... From both Fast and Furious and um, and Mission Impossible this year, we've had a, a car chase through Rome... Well, through pretty we, much the exact same section of Rome. Yeah, it was all through Rome. And it was like the same stairs we saw in both films. And I would 100% watch the, the chase scene in Mission Impossible in the BMW and in the Fiat 500 before I watched the Fast and Furious one again. Well, then when you go back in 4, we had two scenes where Ethan's chasing the bad guy through the sandstorm in Abu Dhabi. He's driving through the sandstorm with yep. a tracker. Not really a car chase, but... Yeah, there's not really any car chases in four either. And there's also the bit and where they... And then they kick into gear in five, into six, and then seven. Yeah, in five, there's the scene in the M5, and we're seeing it, he handbrakes and gets two bikers wedged like he's... You know what I mean? Yeah, he he is driving down and he's got bikers on both sides and one behind him. So and he yanks the hand. He's right. also about to like slide past a a garbage truck and he pulls the handbrake, turns the wheel and slides so that the car's going, you know, horizontal basically. The car's moving sideways rather than forward. And he knocks both guys into the wall off their bikes and then reverses through the like gap. It's awesome. And then in six, the main part of that car chase was he he's driving down this like alleyway. <coughs> and so he handbrakes, turns left, spins around, and when the car's backwards, it falls down some stairs and lands pretty much at a 270-degree angle to where it started. Yeah, and have you heard the funny story about that? What? Because they do all of these car chases in big, long sequences. Like um, Simon Pegg's talked a lot about the Marrakesh um, or the Morocco chase scene where him and Tom Cruise were in the car for like days and every time they would finish a section they'd have to drive back round and like their resets take like 10 minutes because they've got to like drive around the block and like come back Mm. so they were talking about that the scene that we're looking at here in the like bmw with a classic i think that's a classic m5 yeah so this is the one in mission impossible fallout so in the car in that one you have tom cruise driving you have Sean Harris who plays Solomon Lane in the passenger seat and you have Ving Rhames uh, and Henry Cavill in the back and sandwiched between them is Simon Pegg. Mm. And apparently after a couple takes and after, you know, driving all the way around and they've been in this car for like, you know, an hour. Well, remember they Tom dumps them before any of the car chase action. Remember they get out. No, but there is some bits where they're all, like, they're going high speed in the car, like, all of them. Yeah. 
So during those bits, Tom, uh, Henry decided, because, you know, he's he's a big, broad guy, Ving Rhames, big, broad guy. And so it was getting really cramped in the back. And so Henry was like, oh, well, um, rather than driving with you guys, I'll just like get out and, and I'll like run alongside the car or I'll, I'll run back to our first mark. And, um, so what they did was, um, Tom Cruise drove slowly beside him as he was running. Simon. No, Tom Cruise drove the car next to Henry (laughs) while they're driving just slowly. And in the back of the car, Simon was singing the Superman theme song. He's just going. That's funny. That's funny. Well, you know, when they're in the car before Tom gets the three of them out, Mm. Simon says to Henry, after Henry says his name for the first time, he's like, were you the one that came up with the little car? (laughs) But, um, yeah, that chase scene is unbelievable and the chase scene in seven is amazing it's fantastic this is where you know as we both said seven is our favorite at this stage um we highly recommend you go see seven if you haven't already it's out in cinemas now it is a great time i mean it's it's like three and a half hours long it's not i thought it was just under three hours yeah, it's 163 minutes, I think. Or maybe it's 167. Anyway, it's a long movie, but honestly, I it's fun. I didn't really feel the length of it. Like, it's not one of those movies where it, like, is three hours long and it drags. It's like every, like, you can't cut anything out of that movie. Like everything that is in that movie, you just go from one action set piece to the next, to the next, to the next. And there's just little bits of dialogue in between, you know, not little bits of dialogue, but dialogue sequences in between to like move the story forward. Yeah. See, I felt like, you know, you can feel the time, but you just don't care because it's such a fun film. See, I just didn't really feel the time at all. I didn't feel the time on the first go, but when we went for the second time, mm. maybe because that's I've also because you you're already watched on it. the second time you're waiting for scenes. Mm. You're kind of like, oh, I'm waiting for the bit on the train, or I'm waiting for, you know, the the chase through Italy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what else can we talk about Mission Impossible wise? I mean, I guess we can talk well, about Tom Cruise doing his own stunts. I found about I found out something a couple of days ago. Okay. I don't know whether you know this, but I think 2013 Simon Pegg did a film. Uh-huh. Can't remember what the name was. Let's look at Simon Pegg's filmography. You keep talking. But while he, he was doing that, he had to do a running scene. So he called Tom up. He rang Tom Cruise because we all know Tom Cruise with running. Oh, bless you. uh, Tom Cruise is well known for his his run. Oh, it would have been the world's end. Yeah, I think it was the world's end. Yeah, because he has to do a big run in that. And so, yeah, he gave Simon advice. 
Wow. And what advice did he give him? I think it was like something about keep your arms moving maybe. Yeah, because I think if we look, Simon Pegg. Because there was also an interview during the press tour in Rome where the person asked every one of the cast about what they thought of his running because mm. he has to do a lot of it in this film. Yeah, he does have to do quite a bit. And there were some good points brought up, but the one I liked the most was from Hayley Atwell who said he uses every single cell in his body when he's running. Mm. He really does. He has he has a fascinating way of running. But He's like chopping fruit when he's using his hands. Yeah, he really just is, is off and away. Um, see, I really think you'd like the Cornetto trilogy, Cooper, which is one of Simon Pegg's most famous um, series of movies. I reckon Mission Impossible might be the most famous that he's in. Yeah, but he's not the lead in, in the Mission Impossible movies. These movies, he's the lead in. Should we talk a little bit about Seven now? I think we should. Um so, seven. So, does this mean that there are spoiler alerts coming up? Oh, I've already put, I'm I'm just starting to put a spoiler alert at the start of the episode. Very it's kind smart. Of the, the intro is a spoiler alert now. So, um, just so that everyone's aware. Um, Please don't sue us. That's it. So, Mission Impossible 7, um, Dead Reckoning, it's not... It's not a continuation of the last two. So so Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and Fallout were both kind of were very serialized. You know, it was like 5 directly sets up 6. Well, it does. Exactly. So you know, in 5 and 6 you have the story about the syndicate and then the 12 apostles and I mean 6 gets awfully complicated with the bad guys. See, maybe that's why I'm not putting it above Ghost Protocol. Maybe. Maybe that's why. Yeah, I that still might be why. I still love it. It still works for me. And because because there's like we don't see a lot of those bad guy things, I can just kind of hand wave it away and be like, oh really, they're not the bad guys. Um but maybe my opinion would change on a rewatch. But I think for me um the real strength of Dead Reckoning is that they find this really interesting way to have Ethan meet his match in something that is completely opposite to him. Yeah. He is a man of improvisation and he is up against um, an AI who can predict all of his improvisation. Yeah. And I think that it's a really good match. And it's also really brings us back in a way to the energy of the first movie where it's like you never really know where the threat's going to come from. You've just got to be prepared for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does a really great job at setting up, you know, a second film. I think that we've seen, you know, for example, Fast and Furious 10. I talked about last week how I feel like it 
does a really bad job at setting up a cliffhanger. I think this does a really great job at setting up a cliffhanger, mostly because even though it's a part one, it has an ending. It has a satisfying ending where the mission that we set up, like part of the mission at least that we set up in this film is accomplished. You know, we end this film with a mission completed. Now, there is still, there is a mission that will now directly follow that mission, which we'll see in the next film. But we at least get a sense of completion from that first part. Yeah, is it going to be a two-part series, Dead Reckoning? I don't know. I don't know how long this this storyline... I dare say it will. I don't think they're going to be doing like... Multiple. Like more than two. Because then they'll probably move on to eight. Well, technically it is Dead Reckoning. Like it's not seven, part one, part two. It's seven, eight. Seven and eight. So then they'd move on to nine. Correct. Because he wants to keep doing these films until he's about Harrison's Ford age, doesn't he? Which is like 82. So he basically wants to go for another 20 years. I mean, I'd love to see that. Which, I mean, really, you know, it sounds like a lot, but really that's only like four more more Mission Impossible films. So it would take us to like 10, maybe 11. Well, I think that they'll bring out part two a lot quicker than they usually do because one yeah but what you've got to remember is they're shut down at the moment but also we're hoping that this writer strike it's not even the writer strike anymore that's true writers and actors we're hoping that the strike won't go on forever basically sure but we can't make any any assessment on that well remember They filmed eight already. They filmed it back to back. But not all of it. Oh, is it not all of it? No, no, they've not. They've not completed that film yet. Because it's on the list of films that are on pause at the moment. Well, we can assume that as soon as the writer strike, or sorry, both the strike comes out. That it'll probably continue. and Sure, but also... I expect it to be out in not five years, more like two or three years. Sure, that's possible. So, you know, maybe at most we get another... I reckon at most we get five more movies. Yeah. With Tom Cruise in a super active role in them. And honestly... That is truly beholden to so many factors. You know, if he gets injured on one of these films, which is super unlikely, he's very safety conscious. Well, he did in six. No, but I mean like... Injured? That was like he did some pretty serious damage to his leg. But I'm talking like Michael Schumacher level injured. Oh, we might do that. But, you know, there's there's no guarantee that he won't do that. I mean, he puts so many things in place that it's highly unlikely. But the thing is, is that as you increase the um, the stakes, the risk goes up. That's just the reality of it. Yeah, but this we've kind of had a high in action already. 
because also... We're kind of just staying on the line. You've got to remember, and I don't know if this is a Mission Impossible film that he's doing this or if this is a separate thing. He's going to space in an upcoming film. An actual... Like, he's actually going into space. They are going to be the first fiction film to shoot in space. Wow. That's big. Now, I don't know if that's for a Mission Impossible film or if that's another film that he's doing. I feel like he'd if want it's it to another, be in Mission Impossible. If, if it's another film that he's doing, then that'll delay Mission Impossible stuff. When is he planning to go up into space? I don't know. I've, I I saw that there was an article written uh, recently about it, but I haven't looked into it. Maybe it's for nine. Maybe, but we just don't know. And I mean that there is so much inherent risk in in space. You never know what could happen. Exactly. So, you know, because um, also before he goes up, he's got to do full astronaut training. Yeah, he won't go up for years if he is. He'll probably we'll be getting close to 70. Possibly. I mean, he's not close to 70 now. He's nine years away from being 70. But, I mean, that's still a little crazy that he is as active as he is. I mean, he looks 61. good for 61. He does. He's um, He's keeping it together. And, you know... One video that I watched yesterday that I totally forgot about was when he was on Top Gear. And oh, if you yeah, remember, when he was home with uh, Cameron Diaz. And if you remember in that last corner, he cut the apex and went up on two wheels over the finish line. Yep. And you can just see that's like even when he's not filming, he's going crazy with his stunt. That's the thing. He's, I mean, he talks about it. He used to be, he was the kid who would like climb the highest tree and like sit in it as it like waved underneath him and he'd jump off the roof and he'd do all these like bicycle tricks. Like he's been a, a thrill seeker and a daredevil his entire life. And that's what he wants to do. I mean, the car chase is obviously a handcuffed car chase in the new film. And it's, you know... It's and he's done it for real. It, yeah, he's cross-body handcuffed. And he's actually driving for real. Yeah. Drifting and... what In a Fiat 500. Yeah. That car's crazy. Yeah, and it's got no... It's um, got a mind of its own. It's got no hold on the road. It's just... I think it's actually... The back end just goes out. I think it's actually an electric converted. I in think the film. it is. Because it makes that whir noise. Yeah, it doesn't make a typical. Because, I mean, if it were a typical Fiat 500, it would be like. <laughs> there'd be a lot of splutter. And also, it would probably. Sound like a lawnmower. It'd sound like a lawnmower at full tilt, and it'd be going about as fast as the city Rome could move. Right. So it had to have something on it, electric motors or something. Mm. So yeah, it's um, and the so you've got the bad guy in the. There's an AI who's the bad guy in this film, but you also have Gabriel, who. Well, we don't know because you pointed up a good point. I do have a theory about Gabriel, where I think that Gabriel is possibly 
some sort of android. Which is why. Or the other one I had the thought of is that he is still human, but he's like a cyborg. Like he's got some sort of implant in his brain and he's got some mechanical components. And See, some I think that's more likely. Because what more happens... Likely. So in the film, we see Gabriel in his fight with, he has a fight with, what's her name? Ilsa, played by Rebecca Ferguson. And he is stabbed through a white, very, very Bond style, a white um, blazer, like a suit blazer. And he doesn't bleed. And he'd stain on that. Kind of and the way he moves, particularly at the start of that scene, feels very um, AI. robotic. It feels very like it's it's fluid, but it's still kind of um, doesn't feel fully human. And remember, in the airport, they figured out that they were working with a ghost, and like you could see, yeah, he kind of disappeared, like a ghost. And you mm. know, they pointed out in that film that. You know, he's working for the entity. He's working for the entity, but also he's... He's like the protector. But also he's someone from Ethan's past. And I'm kind of like... Yeah, because how do you have to enter the IMF, Bailey? You have to have a, a dangerous past. Yes, and then you get the choice. No, but what I mean is like how... It's, it's kind of like... Um, the situation with um, Vin Diesel and John Cena in Fast and Furious, like how did these two people on such different paths in life end up, you know, on opposite sides of the same fight? You know, where it, in this film it's slightly different because like I believe the narrative in these films a lot more, but like how did Ethan become in conflict with Gabriel again after so many years. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that develops in the next film. We also get the return of um, Kittredge, who was in the first film, who has one of... He was in the first film? Yeah. What was he in the first film? He was an IMF handler. Yeah, I don't remember. He's the one in the scene, you know, where Ethan runs out of the restaurant as the, like, um, fish tank explodes behind him. Yeah. In the scene directly preceding that moment, he ha is having this sit-down conversation with Kittredge. Didn't Kittredge die in that film, though? No. No, he survived. Who's the baddie that worked for the IMF that also died? I don't know if there was one in that film. Look, there he is. There's young Kittredge. There. Mm. And between him and Gabriel, we have some of the best voices on screen because Gabriel has that very, I know your story and how it ends. Whereas... um. Henry Cerny, who plays... So, S.A. Morales plays um, Gabriel and Henry Cerny plays um, Kittredge and he has that very... They're coming after you with everything they got. 
Yeah, I think there's actually a good cast list in this film. Oh, I think that the, that these films are cast magnificently. I mean, Hayley Atwell plays um, a, a thief, a pickpocket called Grace. She's fantastic. Um, have we got any other new players? We've just got the usual, you know, I think that the... That girl Pom is her name or something like oh, that? Oh, Pom Clem- Clementeff. Yeah, she's great. She's fantastic in this movie. As she plays a character called Paris, who you know you see her in the trailers. She's got like uh, kind of clown makeup on in in the big scene. Well, which apparently, I believe that they were supposed to. They were all supposed to be in masks, and then everyone ended up just like not having their masks. And, and then she was like, "I want to have a mask." Yeah, this is part of my character. Did you hear what she actually based her character off? Yeah, Shoebill Stork. Yeah, some sort of... Have you seen what one of those looks like? Yeah, in the interview. We are just typing. Yeah. I love the Shoebill Stork. Have you heard what they sound like? Nope. Anyway, we just had a listen to a Shoebill Stork. I don't know if I'm going to have to edit that out or not. Um. But yeah, it's... um. Where were we? Where were we before the, the Shoebill Stork? Yes, so Pom Clementeff. And then we have all of our returning characters. You know, you've got um, Simon Pegg, Ving Rhames, Rebecca Ferguson. I love their little unit. Yeah, who's a new character as well? Ooh. One that we only see in a few scenes mm. in the meeting room on the train. Not Kittredge. In the meeting room? What meeting room? At the start with the green smoke. Oh, um, he was in Operation Carrie, Fortune. Carrie Elwes's character, who is like the director of national intelligence. Yeah, I mean, it's him. He's he's fun. Carrie Elwes is good. Um, you've got Shay Wiggum and oh, I need to remember the guy's name. He's got three names. He's the got three two, names. My the two goodness. CIA special operations guys who are chasing Ethan for the whole movie. Oh yeah, that guy was in. Uh, he was in Fast and Furious. Yeah. That's um, Shay Wiggum is in Fast and Furious. And the other guy I'm thinking of is Greg Tarzan Davis. What a name. Mm. I also love how, like, like star-studded the, like, briefing room at the start of the movie is. Yeah. Maybe not for you, but that briefing room has... Carrie Elwes is like the presiding head of national intelligence. Then you've got obviously Henry Cerny in there, who's um, 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 Kittredge. Then you've got Charles Parnell. Who do you recognize, Charles? We've seen him in another Tom Cruise movie. Quite I don't recently. remember him. He's um in Top Gun Maverick. Oh, is he? Yeah. Don't you remember him? No. Nope. There he is. That guy. Oh. Okay. I've watched Maverick in over a year. Well, start watching it again. So you've got uh, Charles Parnell. There was one person that I recognised in there. Just you've got Rob remember. Delaney. Who he him. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, you would know him from um, uh, Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw. I know him, of course, from Deadpool. How surprising. Um, and he's in the new Deadpool 3. Very exciting. 
And then you've got Indira Varma, who you should recognize. I don't know if you will. She's in Kenobi. Ah. I recognize her, obviously, from Game of Thrones. You watch way too much stuff. Is that Pedro Pascal? Yes, she was Pedro Pascal's mistress. Look at Pedro. So young. So um, young. Really? Yeah, this was like 10 years ago. Really? I think so. How long has Pedro been acting? Like 20-something years. Really? Yeah, but Game of Thrones was where he found really mainstream success. He was in Game of Thrones? Didn't even know that. Yeah, We've gone so off the topic of Mission Impossible. We really have, but Pedro was in... What season was Pedro in? No idea. It's okay, I'm looking it up. Oh, goodness. <sighs> In 2014, so nearly 10 years ago, he was in season four. Wow. Anyway, should we go back to the topic of this anyway, episode? Anyway, back to Mission Impossible. Um, yeah, I think that this this series... Is amazing. I mean, has been around for nearly... Th- like, the Tom Cruise version of the series, because obviously this movie series is based off a TV series from, like, the 60s. Yeah. Is it? Did you not know that? No. Yeah, it's based on a TV series from the 60s. One thing that I said to Bailey when coming out the cinema is I like this film more than Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious X. Very good. Yeah, see, 1966 to 73. So it, oh, and then it was revived for two seasons in the late 80s. So it has like seven seasons from the 60s to the... To the 70s. Wow. Where do we find that series? Um, Great question. I'll have to look into it. But, so yeah, there was a whole Mission Impossible series that this film series is based off. But I mean, the film series alone has been going for nearly 30 years. Be 30 years in 2026. Correct. So that's, you know... 27 years that we've been doing these movies and they only get better and bigger with each installment. But they're still not like, you know, Fast and Furious spent some insane amount of money. Seven. Budget. Let's look at the budgets. 291 million. So do you want to just round that up to 300? No, because there is a difference. Nine million dollars is a lot of money, Cooper. Is it? It is. Particularly when they spent three hundred and forty million dollars on Holy on Fast and Furious. That's also in USD, so if you convert that to Australian, that's insane. So How you know, much of that was spent with Jason Mamara in the film? He should have gotten all to three hundred and forty million. Should he? Um but you know, like Mission Impossible is not without stars. It's not without action. It's got everything. And yet it's nearly $50 million. It basically is $50 million cheaper. Yeah. $49 million cheaper. Yeah. And it's a, you know, if we look at reviews. I mean, didn't it get like a 96 or 98% on Rotten Tomato? 
96% on Rotten Tomatoes, 8.1 on IMDb, 95% of people like this film. Whereas Fast and Furious X... I'm expecting this to be really bad. 5.9, 57%, 87% of people like this film. Yeah. Sounds about right. But, you know, I just I just think it's interesting, the difference. And we have talked a lot more about Fast X than I than I thought we would today. But, you know... I think it's because, you know, of of kind of tentpole long-running action movies, these two are the two kind of biggest ones outside of your franchise films like your uh, Marvel and DC stuff and Star Wars. Yeah, probably. Um, Well, lovely listeners, I think with that, after nearly an hour of talking about Mission Impossible, I think we shall leave you to move on with your day. Yeah, we've... Probably got some interesting stuff coming up with movie reviews because there's some stuff coming out. There is. I dare say the next um, review set we'll do in two weeks. Will be Oppenheimer. Yeah, well, Barbieheimer comes out the day that this episode releases. So what, are we going to be doing Barbie and Oppenheimer in one? Yes, we will be. We won't be able to watch those for a little while. Yeah, but by the time... We'll be able to watch them, obviously, before the next episode, like the next episode of this show comes out. Hopefully. Well, because that's not for two weeks. Yeah, and also, what else is coming? Could you remind me what other movies are coming? Uh, Um, What else have we got? Not too far in the distance, just in the next couple months. Let me bring up our list. And also... If you want us to review any past films, maybe you should comment. Yeah, we will be. For for when there's not a lot of films coming out, we will be reviewing them. I also, and Cooper's not going to like this. I know. I We'll talk about that in a second. I also might do little reviews on my own, just of movies that... Wow. Well, like, you know, there's a Australian film that I want to give some attention to called Talk To Me. It's a horror movie. You're not going to come watch it with me. I might. I, I barely want to watch it myself. I don't like horror movies. But, you know, supporting Australian cinema and some friends of mine worked on it. Can't believe I'm being left in the dust on this one. Well, don't give me that. You can <laughs> you can do your own episodes of your own show if you want. Oh, trust me, I will. It's just that I'll have to set you up here on the equipment. So, in early August, around Cooper's birthday, we've got the Meg 2. Woo! The Trench. Also around Cooper's birthday, we have Gran Turismo, two of Cooper's most anticipated films. Yep. Can't film, wait for Gran Turismo. A film I'm very much looking forward to is Dracula Voyage of the Demeter. Or Demeter. Depends whether you're going the old Greek or how they kind of phrase it in the original Dracula text. Um, you've got End of August, Force of Nature, The Dry 2, and oh. Haunted Mansion. Oh, that sounds Oh, also another one for us, Cooper, is Equalizer 3. Oh, can't wait for that one. Early September, we've got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem and we've got A Haunting in Venice, the new um, Hercule Poirot. See, that one's going to be scary, but I've got to watch it. But uh, one that I'm really excited for in mid-September is Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle's going to be great. Really? Yeah. I just show no interest for really anything DC. 
Maybe I mean, it's just because of what you tell me of all these DC films. I mean, but I'm I'm very excited about the next series of DC films because DC. Is? So James Gunn, who did the Guardians of Gat. Sorry, we said we were going to leave, and now we're having this conversation. But I'm just going to quickly inform everyone about this. So James Gunn, who directed the Guardians of the Galaxy films, was recently named the new head of production at DC. Him and this producer named Peter Safran are managing the DC universe. And what they're basically doing is they're doing a hard reset on the universe. So we're getting a new Superman film. Oh, is that young Superman? It's called Superman Legacy. It's not with Henry Cavill, is it? No, Henry Cavill is no longer playing Superman, at least not for the moment. This is the guy playing Superman. He has a very Superman look. I think you'll agree. I mean, yeah. Like if you look at... I haven't watched much Superman. If I pull up a picture of Superman from the comics... Like... Yeah, I guess there's a bit of resemblance. You know, like look at that and then look at that. Like if you put a cow lick on that man, he looks just like Superman. And then this is uh, Lois Lane. I know you don't know a lot about Superman. I'm trying to think if there's any characters you well, would know. Well, it says Henry Cavill's in it. No, that's just... Don't ignore that. That's just how Google works. It does weird things. Um, There are a few other people in it, but I don't know if you'd know any of them or any of the characters that they're playing. Well, also coming to DC would be the next Batman. Yes, there is a new... So, there are two Batman movies coming. There's are they filming them back to back? No, so they're not same universe Batman movies. So, you have The Batman 2, which is Robert a follow-up to Robert Batten Bat. Um, Robert Pattinson. So, you have him and then you have um, Batman the Brave and the Bold, which is going to be in the same universe as this new Superman Oh. And it's going to feature Batman and his son. Batman has a son? Yes, Damian Wayne. Oh. There we go, Bruce then and Damian. There's not going to be a new Flash film, is there? God, no. So there's Batman and his son. Okay. There you go. Um... So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what DC does in the next kind of um, couple years. They've got a lot of plans. They've got a lot of stuff that they're working towards and we'll see what happens with it all. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the next coming months with a few good films coming out. 100%. All right. Well, thank you once again, lovely listeners, for tuning in to Filmic feelings our new movie talk show and we will see you next week for another episode of our main show yes Mm, what's it about i guess you'll find out when we get there well we've kind of already told them what it was about no we haven't not next week we've told them oh yeah see we're we're filming these in a week we're recording these in a weird order so cooper's a bit confused but it's okay we will see you next week Bye, lovely listeners. Bye-bye.